body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. As always, Ronda Dosevich, joined alongside Jacob Simpson and Jacob Phillips. We got some hockey to break down, some hockey to preview. But first, how are you guys doing this fine Wednesday evening? Doing pretty good. It's a a busy sports week for me this week. So we've got, um, well, luckily at least, Blues don't play again until like Saturday. So good. Uh, Hmm. Less of them I have to watch. Um, But still, um, so we got... Both the Michigan games Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday is Super Bowl. So it's uh, I get to watch my uh, my Kansas City Chiefs uh, hopefully win. They're going down. I don't know, man. That that game scares me. <laughs> the Eagles scare me. I'm I'm I have the opposite problem. I'm going through NHL withdrawal because the Hurricanes don't play till Saturday. And Thanks All Star Week. Yeah, I know. I'm having to wait <laughs> probably the the longest drought I've had without watching a Hurricanes game in probably months. And uh, hey, at least the Red Wings played. They played yesterday, but they lost 5-2. I'm kind of on the train of, hey, let's start losing some games if you're the Wings to try to get Bedard. I wasn't going into the season. I didn't want that at all. I wanted to make the playoffs. wanted to squeak into a wild card. But with how the season has been going for the Red Wings, I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Imagine with all the, uh, you know, with all the talk going into the season, out of our three teams... Only one of them is like actually good, and we're not like actively tanking. And it's the one picked like dead it's last the, at all. It's the one that got picked this year. Yeah, it's the it's the guy who's like who barely followed, who didn't start following hockey till like last year. Now you picked a good team to follow. I not, do. Not I do like the Hurricanes. For the record, not because they were good, because they were close to my home. Yes. Not because they were good. I am not bandwagoning officially. It just worked out that way. I don't. I don't even know. I, the, I only have like one team that people would willingly bandwagon to right now. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say what? Casey, Chiefs yeah, fan yeah, can't Chiefs. say anything well, actually, on me bandwagoning. Well, so I don't know. Um, Chiefs, Chiefs are getting canceled as a fan though, because of Jackson Mahomes. The Jackson Mahomes only. Oh well, yeah, true, true. Um, <laughs> the uh, as far as the bandwagoning goes, my other teams. So obviously Blues. We've been over this one a thousand times. Uh, sadly, what Cardinals sadly? maybe I don't know. You could you could bandwagon to the Cardinals baseball. for baseball. Sorry, I don't know. I don't watch baseball that much. Go Brewers. That's uh, all I gotta say. KC. I started following them when the Rams left, um, and now that one is its is its own thing. Uh, and now my favorite NBA team is just what happens to be the most hated one in the entire league, like universally, which is Memphis. I feel like the Lakers are more hated universally. Uh, I don't know. At least I, I maybe I spend too much time on Twitter, but um, at least people on the internet hate Memphis. See, NBA though is like I feel like teams aren't necessarily hated; it's players that are hated. People like to hate on like pretty much the everybody on the Grizzlies roster. Players right are now. hated, and the Lakers are hated. Speaking True. of Lakers, Shout Michigan the... is surrounded by lakes, and we're oh, going to talk about some thought... Michigan Michigan State hockey sooner or later. I thought that was going to be a LeBron tie in for the second. <laughs> no, no. Congratulations to LeBron, though, breaking the all-time record, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yes. Last, last night against OKC. So congrats, LeBron. But hey, we're college hockey. We'll get back into it. Sorry for a little spiel. We, we, you know, we, like, we like shooting the stuff at the beginning of the podcast. But MSU played two games this past weekend. They brought Notre Dame into town, and they swept them out. First game, 3-0. Second game, 3-2. Both wins. Going into the first game, though, 
uh, we didn't know this. We didn't do our our uh, diligent digging, but really nobody in the press box knew this. Ryder Ralston, Andy's leading scorer, was out for the season. He took a uh, high hit against Wisconsin the weekend prior, so he's he's gone. That's our leading scorer gone, and that shaped the whole entire series, in my opinion. Yeah, he had what collarbone surgery is what it was. Yeah, and yeah, now he's out. Um, but no, out of that game without Ralston in the lineup, what I noticed just how just lethargic Notre Dame's offense looked. Um, they, Rosen was their best player. He was usually their best, like, playmaker and whatnot. Uh, but without him kind of being able to, you know, create space and, like, find the, find the open guys, they just could not get anything going. It, it, it was good for Dylan Sancier, at least. They, they did have some two on one chances, and I know one breakaway. I can't remember. I think oh, somebody backchecked really good. Oh, uh, I think it was Gucciardi who backchecked really thought, well to break up another one. I thought it was Christian Krieger. Cr- Christian Krieger Christian. had a ton of quality backchecks in this entire series. Uh, they had their chances, in my opinion. They, they just did. did not finish at all, and it, they, it showed. Like they couldn't. I feel they like. They could not. Oh, no. I don't think, like, even then, they really couldn't generate much in like the ha- in the offensive zone like really establishing zone time I guess was kind of an issue for them. Yeah, they all their best looks were coming in transition like the, you know, my favorite was this the one breakaway they gave up and like there was no one near near the Notre Dame guy. It might have been Jack Adams. I don't remember exactly who though. But like basically just fires it like directly over to Saint Cyr's head. Yeah, just goes right over the I net. I think it was actually yeah. Trevor Janicki. I cuz I remember that Janicki had a bunch of break not just breakaways, but you know, two on ones, one on ones. And, uh, yeah, he would go wide of the net or just lay one right into St. Cyr's chest. Yeah. I mean, they were not, like, they were not going to try and deke St. Cyr out of his skates. Uh, I don't know. I remember just joking after the one that went over the net, like, you guys were on the call, so you didn't notice it. But I was, I jokingly made the, uh, it's good, uh, the two hands, like it was a field goal. <laughs> Three points for Notre Dame. <laughs> hey, where'd that, that one they go? they didn't get that weekend. Uh, no. no. Good, 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 uh, good tie-in right there. Yep. Uh, so for Michigan State, first goal of the night came in the second period. Jagger Joshua nets his 12th of the season on four on four. Eric Mindendorf follows up later in the second, push the lead to two. And then third period, we'll jump around this game, but third period, it was really odd. There was a four on four with about five minutes to go. And Phillips and I are on the call. I don't notice. Bischel's gone with five minutes to go on four oh, yeah. on four. Yeah, I watched, like, him. I watched him as they pulled him. Uh, we well, we asked on, him Jeff about Jackson. that. We asked them about that um, post game. We asked what Nightingale and St. Cyr both kind of just like, you know, general thoughts on that, like if they prepare for that and whatnot. Um, like basically they, they were saying they kind of took it as a compliment basically because they were saying like, you know, if you are pulling your goalie with five minutes left and you're only down two goals, two at goals time. at that point. Yeah. yeah. Like that means they had, they did not have much confidence that they were going to be able to get anything by, uh, at even strength. So, I mean, honestly, yeah, that is kind saying, of a compliment. They were saying like, they think they thought it was kind of like a testament to the way the defense was playing and the way St. Cyr was playing. And I mean, like you, you may think that pulling uh, the goalie to get five on four is good. But when you think of that, that's just a power play and they were not good on the power well, play that game. Well, they had a five minute major early in the first, which, and they Notre Dame get did get a good amount of shots on net. They weren't high quality, but five minutes of five on four. Notre Dame did nothing. The rest of the power plays they did nothing. So like that was that yeah that was like that was a weird weird call. And yeah, props to MSU's defense and Saints here. I guess I was gonna say that it, it, 
they don't have they didn't have much confidence that they get one by St. Cyr. They pulled their goalie. I mean, the score is three nothing by the end of the night. They're, uh, I guess, they're good reason not having confidence because they clearly just couldn't get one by. And you know, to your point, Ryan, I think the defense played really well. This was one of the few games I was really, truly impressed with Michigan State's defensemen. Not just normally, it's really their offensive play that in which they stand out. Their defense looked a lot better. Their back checks seemed quicker. Christian Krieger skated his butt off the entire series, trying to limit those chances for Notre Dame. And they, I just thought they really did a great job against Notre Dame. It was definitely the bounce back performance that MSU needed coming off a not good Minnesota series. So that, yeah, that first game much, much needed. And Dylan St. Cyr, we got to talk about him and we'll continue to talk about him throughout probably this whole entire show. His third shutout of the season, 32 save shutout against his former team. And he was just, you know, he was lights out, called upon when he needed to, made the big saves and just, you know, earned, earned that team a good shutout coming off of a not good performance against Minnesota. And they really didn't make him work either. In that first game, he didn't really have to move between the pipes at all. No real flashy saves. And he's been he's been able to make some really athletic saves. You know, we'll eventually get into game two. But that first game, they just it just looked like their effort to get a puck into the back of the net was just very lackluster. They really didn't try anything other than, oh, well, you know, let's just try and rip one from the faceoff circle really fast. Oh, it's not working. Let's try it 31 more times. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. You're not wrong with that. <laughs> so uh, uh, later in the game, obviously the score's 3-0. Nico Mueller netted an empty netter to uh, put the nail in the coffin there. He got a three-point night. Obviously, one goal, empty net. You know, you're not really going to be celebrating too much if you're the player. But a three-point night for Nico Mueller. That's something yeah. to talk about. I was kind of surprised, too, because uh, one of the things I asked him after that game was, like, were you trying to score on that player, or were you just trying to, like, just dump it? And, like, because that... You remember so it was, that, you it remember was that a head netter. of center, right? Yeah, it was yeah. from beyond half ice. Like, I thought from what it looked like for me, and and watching it it seemed like he was kind of just trying to like dump it down the ice and like um you know just get it out of the zone it just happened to go in um but no he he said like you know he noticed like oh there's this lane here something i think jack or joshua was kind of cheap like going this one way opened up this one lane he sees he has you know just a direct path to the net and just decides to fire and end up going in yeah, anything else from game one, the 3-2-0 shutout victory for Michigan State? I mean, that empty netter coming with, what was it, 51 seconds left in the period. Michigan State had been trying for, you know, at that point, probably close to four minutes to try yeah, and I score one. Yeah, I think they had like four or five chances to get the empty netter. And it was uh, Nick Lieberman for Notre Dame, their captain. Basically, oh my gosh, He just yeah. played de facto goalie. He was really just oh, yeah, sitting yeah, yeah. there. He had, two, he had two good saves. And then another pass breakup in like one minute of shifts to keep the game in reach. And and finally, his shift ends, goes off the ice, and guess what happens? Nico Mueller scores an empty net. <laughs> That's what happens when you pull your de facto goalie. Starting goalie for Notre Dame, Ryan Bischel. Backup goalie, Nick Lieberman. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what happened. So, uh, yeah. Anything else game one there, guys? No. Just, I mean, you know, Dylan St. Cyr masterclass, you know, yep. the usual. As always. Well, not as always. Not but as as... But- Typically, I mean, we can also we can also use it to kind of trans, uh, you know, go a little ahead into the next game as well. But um, one of the things we were talking about too 
with or that Nightingale was like really praising Saint Ciron just av- after the whole weekend he had as a whole um, was basically yeah it was a good bounce back after that Minnesota series but like you know basically his, his ability to kind of get right back on the horse so to speak um, and you know if I shake it off and just not really let that last series kind of affect him negatively so. And it seems like the whole team kind of does that too. Coming, uh, I forget who they face after Minnesota the first time. Whoever it was, they swept. No, no after that Minnesota was the, was the Michigan, Michigan series. series. Oh, the but Michigan they, series. They okay. did win that. You know, they still they won, did won, upset Michigan that one. The late that gritty 2 1, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the second game, Michigan State, it was back and forth, close as heck. Michigan State pulls out the 3 2 win. And it's the first time MSU sweeps Notre Dame in Big Ten history. For uh, for context, the Big Ten conference didn't hop into hockey until 2013-2014. Uh, but it's the first time MSU swept Notre Dame since 2006, back in the CCHA days. So that that it's been a long time. These teams always play hard fought, always splits. Going into Saturday, I thought Notre Dame was going to squeak out a split on senior night. And that's me personally. But yeah, nope, MSU snapped that. And it's the first time for a couple things there for MSU. If I remember correctly, I think there was only one person in this room that had predicted that Michigan State we'll, could sweep. We'll get to the your fact predictions that you said later. If if I remember correctly, the audacity. We know, we to know say you that. did. Mm. We we'll, we'll get to your predictions <laughs> later. We you can you can gloat later. Yeah. So for MSU, goal scorers on the night. It starts the scoring started early. First period power play goal. Carson Dorwart. Uh, Notre Dame answered shortly after Nico Mueller getting his second goal on the weekend, his fourth point on the weekend. And I just want to make this point right now. Nico Mueller, he is now tied for the team lead, tied with Carson Dorr with 25 points. He has had a revelation in success this year. Last season, one goal, five assists, six points. Nico Mueller has blossomed under the Nightingale style. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, I think funs fun. Yeah, you know, I think we've always talked before. You know, when you think of guys like holdouts from the Danton era that like have kind of had their game like blossom, so to speak, with the Nightingale uh, regime, we always I think first look at Jagger Joshua. Mm-hmm. How um, could you not? I mean, yeah, because well, I mean, just off of his play style, you know, developing that more into what it has. Um, versus now versus then, um. But yeah, Nico Mueller is like right back there on the same cusp. Uh, I mean, like Jagger obviously leads the team in um, goals right now still. But um, like Nico is out there with the assists. His playmaking is crazy. And uh, I think also what's helping now, especially more recently, helping him kind of pick things up again, because he had a little stretch um, at at the start of the year where he kind of went quiet for a little bit. Yeah, whole team kind of did. A whole team too. did too, yeah. but you know, same. Uh, but like w- with this, like this last couple weeks and whatnot, this uh, new second line that's been playing for the last like three weeks now has been fantastic. Um, Can you say that? Like, did you got to you got to memorize by chance? Yeah, it's he's centering, uh, but it's Mitty on the left wing and Davidson, Davidson on the right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, the the order of the wings could be switched but it's those three uh but they're all that that line is working really well together obviously we knew middendorf and davidson had that chemistry from last year um but yeah like that what was it the one goal 
that they had in the second game. I think it was the second goal of the game. It was yeah, because second goal. Yeah, Davidson. It was Mueller's primary goal. assist to Mueller. Yeah, yeah, but beautiful. No, like the whole thing though was like an insane play because I had them. I had Davidson kind of walk me through it a little bit in the game, uh, but like Mindorf makes a really nice chip along the boards, like threw his legs back out to Davidson, and then Davidson skates it down to like the goal line, threads the needle through like two Notre Dame guys, finds Nico right there on the back door, easy tip in or easy tap in. Um, yeah, that was, was that was a beaut. It was a beautiful play. Yeah, I just remember watching it and just seeing the puck slide through like two pairs of Notre Dame skates. And, you know, obviously Nico Mueller puts in the back of that and just thinking, how often do you see that pass actually work? I'm not like, just in front of a goalie, but going through two separate pairs of skates. Yeah, I just, thought, I just thought it was like the way he was able to fit that in there into that little window right there between those legs was insane. Yeah, but that line's been looking good. That, but yeah, like that line, I feel like it's kind of like a they know where to find each other. And like that playmaking is helping out a lot. Another thing that it's been happening often MSU's been getting five-minute majors. They got one game one, Christian Krieger for, think, checking from behind. Game two, Jagger Joshua in the second period got a boarding call. That's how Notre Dame actually tied it up at two. It's it's something that Nightingale talked about, and he kind of gave the typical hockey answer of, like, eh, it is, like, you know, it is what it is. We're not going to change anything. We're still going to be aggressive. But I don't know. It's, it, it, sure, it doesn't really matter against Notre Dame when they're missing their leading score, but you you can't be taking these five-minute majors when you go against Minnesota, Michigan, Penn State, although I think they have killed some off against Penn State. But, like, I don't know. You want to clean them up, but it's still – it's Big Ten officiating, and it's not consistent, uh, definitely. That, that in hockey and in basketball, if you watch Big Ten basketball, but I'm not going to get into that topic. But, hey, it didn't affect them in the end of things. It was tied 2-2 after 2 and David Gucciardi on the power play, who's been pretty quiet recently. Coming into the season, I thought he and Nash House were going to be the goal scorers on defense. Shocker, it's Cole Krieger instead. But Gucciardi on the power play, four minutes into the third period. Absolute blast from the top of the key. Uh, puts Michigan State up 3-2. to two, And then, you know, Michigan State just has to hold on there at the end. And it's Gucciardi's third goal, which is really interesting. Like, you look at the shots that Gucciardi takes... And they're all basically the same. You know, he kind of sits, it's very similar to the kind of shots that Nash takes where it's, you know, up towards the blue line, top of the point, and they always try and, you know, rocket it to the back of the net. More often than not, in Big Ten play, at least, it doesn't work because you're going up against, you know, six-foot goalies that don't really have to move to block those shots. Well, I'll, but, I'll stop you there for a second. If you're skirt. So if you're firing a shot like that, if you're Gucciardi or Nash or whoever, Basketball also takes a lot from the top of the point, too. Yeah. Yeah. But Pretty like much if, all if, the defensemen except Cole. True. Um, but if you're taking those kind of shots, your goal isn't necessarily to just rocket it past the goalie behind the net. Your goal, you're not really, you're not necessarily shooting a score, you're shooting for a rebound or tip or tip. But like, because most people know that you're not going to, like, that's effectively chucking up like a, you know, low percentage deep three effect. That's the hockey equivalent of that. You know, the likelihood it hits, not very high. Um, but, you know, if you get it down low and it, like, squeaks through, um, that means, you know, if, if the goalie gets a pad on it, that's it's right there for a rebound. And if you've got guys like Checker Joshua or whoever else that are good at cleaning up rebounds, the, that's where you get your goals. So, Yeah, and, I mean, that that is what Michigan State's seen success in is, you know, players like Jagger Joshua getting that rebound point. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I was really just going to say is that Gucci already finally, 
you know, gets another goal off of one of those shots. And it's really weird. I mean, because, I mean, Ryan Bishop's a good goalie. I think he still leads, leads college hockey. Leads total saves. Yeah, and a great way to, you know, get the score of the goal winner, or the game winner is just power play from the top of the point. Gucci already gets his third. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I really don't know if that was expected at all when Gucci already took the shot. I I honestly forget where Bischel was positioned in net on that one. I don't know. No, he was he was positioned right. It just there was a lot of traffic. You know, There's, Bischel yeah. goes down, can't really see much, well, and just hopes thing, it hits him. The thing is, though, that slap shot was that was fast. That was fast. I want to see a mile per hour tracker on that. I was jo- I was I made a joke on Twitter about it, basically saying like, you know, irony irony that like it was going the game was going on during the NHL skills competition. I'm like. How come they didn't sign Gucci Gucci up for a hardest shot contest? I mean, hey, he's a he's a draft pick from the Capitals. He could be there one day. He could, he could. be taking an NHL hardest slap shot. What well, once All-Star. once Ovi retires? Well, Ovi was never really the one that like what? No, it was Char that used to run that yeah. competition all the time. Oh yeah. Um, who was it? It was Elias Pettersson. Pettersson, which he's like he's a well he's first like, time I think I've ever seen a forward win that competition. But. Yeah, and I don't know who I'm taking this from, but he's like the equivalent of the cinnamon stick guy from Apple Jacks. Like he's not a I muscle think I've dude. Made, I've made yeah, that I think, joke. I, I don't know I've who did. Yeah, but that was that was hilarious. So I had to recall it for that. Yeah, that was surprising. But hey, Gucciardi. Yeah, it's good to see him get back on the board. Uh, Michigan State though. They did. They did get pushed. Notre Dame. They didn't have that many shots on third period, but when it got down to the last five minutes, it got close. They pulled their goalie with, I think, about two minutes. I think just under two, if I'm wrong, heck it. And then with less than ten seconds, Michigan State was pushing forward. They're going to try to go for the empty net. They turn over a neutral ice, and then it's a two-on-one the other way. And I think six seconds left on the clock. They get into the zone. Hunter Strand. Takes a shot, and St. Cyr, because his defenseman was in a good spot to cut off the pass, St. Cyr came way above his goal crease and barely got the save underneath his, I think, glove side. Yeah, glove side. And it was like, oh, that, that was that was so close. It was 1.5 seconds left on the clock, and Hunter Strand had a chance to tie it. Ooh, it was close, but didn't happen. Michigan State wins. I mean, yeah, St. Cyr was on his stuff all day with that kind of, with that kind of play. I mean, he, he was able to read those plays like the entire time. And for Saints here, I sure he got the shutout game one, but game two, in my opinion, he played a better game. I he, think he was he, he was the getting saves tested. he had to make. Yeah, he was getting tested with with better shots. Yeah, this the saves he had to make were a lot better game two. And hey, speaking of Saints here, he got first star in both Friday night and Saturday night on Senior Night was Saturday night. He got sixty five out of sixty seven saves on shots on the weekend that is a nine seven zero if you want to count that in percentages. that's 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 a good weekend for a goalie that is yeah he once again was named the first star of the week in the big 10 that's the third time he's got first star of the week it's the fourth time just b- being a star of the week in general i had them i did the math on that um yesterday i went back through counted up every single person that's like ever gotten a star this season in the big 10 he is tied with logan cooley in minnesota for the most that's him and cooley both have four saints here oh yeah he is a saint you you watch some of those saves from that game too and you understand why i mean he was out in the face-offs in the far side face-off circle yeah he touched the face-off circle while play was going on (laughs) that was crazy he he went into a full pair of splits at one point I mean, it's just 
And he has had his fair share of athletic saves, even in that Minnesota series with that robbery I know we talked about last week. At, at some point, it's just... You'd expect it to get old, but it really does. Like, every week, it always seems like there's some way that Dylan St. Cyr really kind of outdoes himself, either in the amount of saves he makes or the kind of saves, or quite frankly, just both in general. He does his job, and some games he does it incredibly well. So, uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to ask this real quick. Where does St. Cyr rank in all of the Big Ten goalies? Ooh, we... All the all the starters, we'll, we'll say starters, because most teams just play 1A now, which I like. This is an interesting question because we were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, Stinson, you want to go first? Sure. I Because I, I introduced this question because I thought about it at the exact same time uh, that I was writing down my whole list of everybody on the uh, that won a star of the week. Um, the Stency notepad. The notepad is crazy. Um, notepad go burr. Notepad does go burr. <laughs> Um, so I, I took my list and as far as these starters go, I have still in St. Sears number two in the, in the conference. I, Jakob Dobesh from Ohio State is the only one that I have that I think is better. Um, really my only reasoning for that is they both have the same tendency where they can steal games. Um, and that's my, that was my like biggest criteria with my whole list was like, sure, there aren't really any of these goalies that are on the list that are going to necessarily lose you games. Um, but now nah, all, all big 10 teams have solid tendies. Right. So the question then comes more into it. How many of these goalies are going to go out of their way and like steal you a game? How many games are they going to steal with the way they play? And you know, the saves that they're able to make and how all of this. So that's where I have Dobesh at number one. One, I've got Saints here at two, and those are the two where I think they they legitimately will steal you games, um, just with their play. Um, and then so after that, I've got Bischel at three, Ryan Bischel from Notre Dame. Uh, I'm kind of four, five, and six is honestly kind of a toss up. It's a lot closer than I think the rest of them are. Uh, but I think I've got it written down as Justin Close of Minnesota at four. Jared Moe from Wisconsin at, um, at five, and then Liam Soulier from Penn State at six. And that leaves Eric Portillo of Michigan at seven. I, I pretty much agree with that. I think I would switch uh, Moe and Soulier just because Moe doesn't have a defense and he's actually been putting up good numbers with no, uh, sorry, no defense and barely any offense. But that's just, I, I, I definitely put St. Cyr I'm, up in top three for sure. I can see the... Uh, I can see the argument for Mo over Soulier, but mm-hmm. that that's one I'll be willing to switch switch around on. But I will say going into this podcast episode that I had Jakob Dobesh first, narrowly. I actually had Justin Close second. Yeah, that's the but, one I would put above Saint Cyr. But the issue that I kind of realizing the more we talked about Minnesota um, and a bunch of the players on their team who are just freaking insane is I honestly feel like Justin Close is actually one of the weaker points of Minnesota's game. I think that's just more of a thing of like how stacked Minnesota is. Yeah. That's, that's more credit to their offensive defense than like it, he's no Jack LaFontaine from last season, but he gets the job done and he does it well. He does. And it, you know, he's still a fantastic goalie, but I think what puts St. Cyr ahead is that 
St. Cyr doesn't have a stacked offense and defense helping him every step of the way. That That's my thing. That's the reason mm. I have closed down at that's, four yeah. is because I genuinely don't know what he would be if you gave him just like an average defense. Yeah, I wonder what he and if you not, put him if and you not put him on Michigan with State. Like Brock Faber in front of him instead of. Yeah, and that Lacombe, Jackson Lacombe in front yeah. of him and stuff. If yeah. you have two Hobie Baker nominees on your defense. Sheesh. But even then, watching as Michigan went and you know, snuck one out for Minnesota, it was like looking at Justin Close's play, there were some obvious saves that I would have thought he made, but just he moved the wrong way, didn't quite realize where the shooter was going to put the puck by him. And it's those moments that, you know, make me agree, yeah, putting Justin Close lower on the net. So I, w- I would agree St. Cyr to uh, – it- it's really hard to place – Justin Close, because he just has not been tested as much as some of the other goalies in Big Ten. So we all in agreement of Dobesh at one? Yeah. Really, it wouldn't be Dobesh at one if it weren't for the fact he came back from the midseason break with an absolute fire in him and just playing like he's out of his freaking mind. Yeah, no, when when Michigan State-Ohio State first uh, matched up and Michigan State swept Ohio State Dobesh didn't look good. Dobesh, Dobesh did not look good. He was and, easily, easily shaken and just yeah. thrown off his game quick. And there's no way going into the break I would have said Dobesh was number one. Coming out of it, though, he he looks really, really solid. He's put up solid numbers and solid wins since the break, and that's what really... I don't know. Even then, I'm looking at some of his more recent stats. He's kind of He's been dropping some uh, some stinkers. Um, he, what, th- stopped 30 of 34, so let up four in Elda, Wisconsin. Um, it's not four zero Wisconsin. I don't remember. I'm just looking at stats. Um, it's all close between the goalies. Let up four with only 22 saves last weekend against Penn State. Mm. Um, Maybe we're giving him too much praise. I don't know. Maybe Saint Cyr should be that number one. Uh, but Saint Cyr also isn't exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's let up a couple. <laughs> I was like, too. he's not exactly oh, same game one. Game. So Minnesota. I, Minnesota. I would also I would also argue in defense of Jakob Dobesh with that was that one Wisconsin game. Wisconsin has pulled out some impressive wins on their home ice. You know, and that's case it. case in point, <laughs> Michigan. But you look at it, goals against in that first was in that Wisconsin game, four against Dobesh in a loss. Next game. Zero and a win, so those Wisconsin games are kind of kind of like Michigan State with the Minnesota games. They kind of spike the statistics a little bit. So uh, hey, we'll move past that. the The big thing is goaltending in Big I'm Ten su- very solid all the way around. Well, it's so the hard thing to is, make a list. I'm surprised. Are we also all in agreement of Portillo at seven? Yeah, I th- I think Mo's done better given what he's had yeah. and you got i mean you got to think of what portillo has he's got luke hughes and he's got that offense in front of him like yeah he's putting up not good numbers what like 0.908 yeah I he's think. got a, he's got a 908 save percentage and a 308 goals against Three, that's not good it's not very given good the talent for, in front of him yeah so like well so even when they I played when so. they played msu i had some issues i think a lot with Porcello's rebound control, I did not like at all. Yes, um, yes. He was letting up some like grade A chances. Just MSU could not get there. Uh, like the defense would clear it out before, you know, they could. But I don't know. I just was not a fan. I didn't. I was not really overly shot in the head with Porcello when I watched. Yeah, and then game one, the game that Michigan say won two one at Munn. There was a goal that 
it it looked like it tipped off somebody, and maybe that's why Portillo missed it. But on the replay, it was clear it did not tip off anybody, and his glove did not get up to his ear in time. A save that it's hard to make, but the shot was basically near the far point, so there's enough time to react to it, and he just clearly missed it. That was, I think he's that was a blunder. I think Portillo also kind of suffers from like the same tendencies that a lot of big goalies like that have of being a little more slower and like not having necessarily a great reaction time. So if you get goalies like that moving side to side, um, that's where you really start to, uh, you know, expose them. That's where they get exposed a lot is yeah. When you, ha- when you're forcing them to have to, you know, move against their momentum side to side, you know, it's the, it's the laws of motion or whatever. Uh, basically bigger object takes more force to stop it. Um, you know, it's hard to, hard to stop that momentum. Um, no. But no, I mean, like, yeah, Portillo's massive. I mean, he takes up a lot of the net. He's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. But, like, and as opposed to the 5'8", Dylan St. Cyr. Um, and, yeah, coming off the year he had last year, I'd say him and Jack LaFontaine were the two top goalies in the Big Ten. Now yeah. this year, he, he does not look the he same. Is, he does not. He no. does not. So uh, we'll move on from that now. That's a long-winded goalie that's talk. A, that's a good little discussion, though. Yeah. Recapping MSU series. With that sweep, MSU moves on to 15-13-2. Notre Dame falls to 13-14-3. Overall, they drop out the rankings. And speaking of the rankings, we're still using USCHO. Honestly, next week, I, I'm cool with switching to pairwise just because I mean, it matters so much more at this time of the year. Yeah, so I'm going to try and have this done tonight. Um, I've got a little article I'm putting together uh, as like kind of just an explainer for... Um, you know, with the at Michigan State making the tournament, uh, and like basically explaining what pairwise is, um, and just like, you know, what does MSU have to do if they want to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in eleven years? Um, so yeah, look for that as well. That'll be a, read that, and then we'll come back to it next week, and we can start talking pairwise. If you are a casual college hockey fan listening to this podcast, I would highly recommend that because I've been following college hockey for years now and I still barely get it. It's confusing. It's honestly a little, it's less confusing than you think it would be. Yeah, but I've had you explain it to me. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But there's still some things where I'm like, I don't really remember. So yeah, go go find that. Hopefully it's up by the time this podcast gets up. We'll see. In short, um, you know, they rank every team from one to 61. Uh, based off of a number of like math things, um, <laughs> number of math things. Yeah. I will tell. I'll we'll, we'll get into what exactly that is in the um, in the pod. But basically, yeah, um, you know, they rank every team, and then the top teams get in, and then with some other exceptions, um, and then yeah, pretty much that's how it goes. So taking a look at the Big Ten standings as a whole, for the first time since at least we, you and I, since we've been covering this team, in the second half of the Big Ten, there is a four-way tie for second place. Holy moly. So first place, Minnesota, 43 points. They're, they're going to get first place. We've wrapped that up weeks on weeks. Second place, it's four teams with 30 points. It's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State. Two note, though. Michigan and Ohio State both have two games less played than Penn State and Michigan State. So that matters a lot. They'll obviously have two more games to get any points they want to. But a four-way tie at second is absolutely unheard of. Uh, Sixth place, Notre Dame, uh, 26 points. I'm writing them off. I think they're going to finish sixth. They don't have Ryder Rolston. I mean, yeah, there's that. And they don't... I think they're kind of banking on the teams ahead of them to, uh, to kind of bow out and not really, you know... 
basically they're they're dependent on the yeah the teams ahead of them to um not do well plus they have only uh four games left in their ohio state and michigan yeah and i just checked at michigan too to close out the year yeah they're not getting three points in that series yeah so yeah so notre dame i think they're locked into six that could that could change but I think that's going to happen. Then Wisconsin, they are 100% locked in at seventh place in the Big Ten. So that's the updated Big Ten standings. Looking at USCHO rankings, which next week we'll probably switch to pairwise rankings because they matter that much more at this point in the season. Number one, still Minnesota. They uh, they retained that spot even though they had a bye week, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, checking in at number five, it's Michigan, which obviously Michigan State plays this weekend. Number seven, Ohio State. Number eight, Penn State. And Michigan State checking in back at the number 15 spots. And that rounds out the uh, the Big Ten rankings. Of course, Notre Dame falls just out. They do land in the 21st, but that doesn't matter. It's up to top 20. So, uh, so yeah. More like the 22nd spot. Oh, really? That's Because USCHO has a tie. Two teams are 20th this week. Oh, okay. So it's one technically... The only reason I'm mentioning is one of them is Alaska. And yes. That blows my mind. That that I, I'm all on the Nanooks train this year. Heck yeah. Uh, we believe. Yes. I mean... Their logo is... Beautiful. As much as I would like the Nanooks to sneak in, I don't think it's happening. That would be cool. We still hold out hope. There's too much going ahead of them right now, uh, to where they kind of, you know, there's not, there's only so many spots, and they're you're banking on other teams ahead of them to also drop out. So once again, the recurring graphic. I'll try to not stay on this too much. I wish you guys can see it, but right now, Minnesota, like I said, they're going to finish first. Michigan has the best chance to finish second at 56%. The best chance to finish in third place in the Big Ten, Ohio State with 28. The best ten- chance to finish fourth is Penn State at 35, but they don't control their own destiny. They gotta, they'll gotta, they be controlled with what other teams do, what other teams win. But for Michigan State, their highest percentage is fifth with 36%. I think they're going to land in that four or five. I think that's... Yeah, that they're is gonna, 100% they're gonna land where either, it's going to land. They're going to land either four or five, probably, because there's just so much going ahead of them right now with that Michigan and Ohio State series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they have a series have, less than them. Too. Yeah. I mean, the fact that those other games have so many people or that Emma, that mo, yeah, sorry, that Ohio State and Michigan still have two more games to play against each other. Um, I think there's just too much going on with that. Um, it's just not likely that. State's going to finish above those two. Or yeah. like. There is a chance they finish second, but that means Michigan State has to sweep and other teams have to lose. So don't don't get your hopes up for that. But to host a Big Ten tournament game, they have to get at least, well, they have to get second, third, or fourth. If they get fifth, sixth, or seventh in the regular season standings, then they will go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little update thing if you guys want to check my twitter i actually did post it a couple days ago so if you want to see the graphic go ahead check out my twitter at r-y-a-n-r-a-d-o-s-e-v-i-c-h yes i am plugging my twitter mid not even shit i mean i mean i'm shameless plugging an article that i'm that i don't know hey we put out good content for for the record if we're doing if we're doing the full plug um check out my own twitter i'll tweet it out when it goes live uh at jacob f stinson um and then also it'll be on the website which is impact89fm.org Bada bing, bada boom. Boom. So uh, that's an update of the Big Ten standings, the percentages of where teams they finish. And like I said, 
there's four teams tied right now. We would love to predict what's going on, but to do that will take hours and hours of numbers and seeing what scenarios will play out. We're not going to do that. We're journalism majors. (laughs) We do not get taught math. (laughs) True. So uh, moving on from that into a huge series preview. It's the rematch. Michigan State versus Michigan. First game, Monai Serena, Friday night, 7 o'clock. And then game two, duel in the D, 8 p.m., Detroit, Michigan, in Little Caesars Arena. Michigan State has not won a duel in the D game since 2016, and that can change this year. They Yeah, so they do the, well, yeah, 2016 was the first year they did the uh, Iron D trophy to go with it mm. after every game. Uh, and MSU nice won the- Nice looking trophy. It is. Nice. MSU won the first one, and they haven't gotten it back since. Wah, 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 wah. So. Mm. Well, this is a this is a very different team. Um, like that was even one of the things that um, when Gucciardi, I believe, said uh, media availability this week was like, you know, the different circumstances around this game as opposed to last year's duel in the D. Like last year's, you know, standings weren't close. Um, you know, it was just more. The only thing that was really motivating MSU was to a break the losing streak they were on. Which I think at that point was like probably like six or seven games. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Spoiler alert: they didn't win, uh, and that losing streak up to thirteen. Um, <laughs> Don't have to remind me. <laughs> bad times, bad times. <laughs> uh, you back in the dark times. It really does. <laughs> but um, you know, still, you leave that game. You think is MSU ever going to win another game again? Um, and then, but still, you know, as opposed to this year, you know, you're in a four-way tie for second place right now. You know, you're in the rivalry game with huge points on the line, with playoff implications, with tournament implications. Everything is pretty much on the line for this series. Not to mention a chance to potentially spoil Michigan's uh, top five run right now. True. Yeah, because that would also, as you're talking pairwise and stuff as well, losing to MSU um, would presumably, you know, knock them down a notch in the... um, or would knock Michigan down a notch in the rankings um, with pairwise, which means that um, they would actually get bumped down from a one seat to a two seat, so to speak. So, you know, that. That, that. I mean, hey, that's a big bump in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it controls your matchup. I mean, as of right now, I mean, like, it, I mean, yeah, you, it means you get a worse, you get a harder team to play. Um, the way I've got it written up right now, my like little projections that I've got, I'll tweet this out tomorrow once my other article goes live. Um, I've got Michigan as a one seed right now playing Minnesota State in the first round. Um, we're supposed if they got bumped down to a two seed, I believe that means that, um, let me look. I believe that means that St. Cloud would move up to the one seed again. Uh, and then Michigan would obviously take the two seed. Right now in my head, I pictured the Zach Galifianakis gif with the numbers floating around his head yeah. from, uh, uh, the from the hangover. hangover. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> that's what I'm picturing. Your, that's what's going on in your head I'm, right I'm now. I'm looking at the bracket, <laughs> and I'm trying to remember who is what seed. But like Saint, it would go to a two seed, which the two seeds right now were Ohio State, Denver, St. Cloud, and Penn State. So, so they definitely do not want to play... So basically, Michigan two State seeds, wants to play sports. Two seeds play weekend. three seeds, yeah. one seeds play four seeds. Mm. Simple as that. 
And you were talking about Minidorf. I kind of want to just piggyback, just bring this up because I actually loved this when he said it at yes. media, availability, media availability this week. He uh, grew up playing. He didn't grow up his whole career playing juniors, but he went to Plymouth, Michigan to play, I think, for US NTDP. Yeah, he was with the NTDP. Yeah. So at that time, he wasn't committed to Michigan State, but he said he was always kind of, kind of a Michigan State fan. And he went on to say it's kind of because of the blue collar and the underdog mentality and just how the Michigan guys treated Michigan State guys. And I'm like, that that's, that's what being— That's your quote that you're putting on Twitter that, you know, MSU chief of propaganda is going to retweet. Yeah, that you. that's like—that's why you come to Michigan State. That's rivalry talk. You can tell that he doesn't want to just win a hockey game. He wants to beat his rival. Right. And that, that just kind of— that kind of got my juice flowing. I'm like, okay, okay. I was doing my research as well today, trying to figure out, you know, what, because he talked about, oh, all the guys at NTDP wanted to go to Michigan. I was like trying to figure out which guys he was talking about. I only found a few that, like, notable guys that ended up, you know, going to Michigan. There was Quinn Hughes um, and there was Cam York and there were a few others, like Johnny Beecher is one of them. Um, but that was with NTDP. Uh, I also looked because, you know, Middendorf's career path was weird. He went. Oh yeah. He went NTDP, then I believe two seasons at Colorado College, and maybe just one. I forget. Um, but then went. I think two, because now he's a senior. Last year as a junior when he transferred in, so that would track. Yeah, but um, so he came in though. Yeah, so did that. But then did two years. I think two. Uh, in the USHL after leaving oh, CC. About that. Yeah. Went. Uh, with the Chicago Steel and then came to MSU. So, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was weird. But I, I say all that to say, going back to his days with the Chicago Steel, he was teammates with three different guys on the Michigan roster right now on that team. Ooh. Uh, so there was uh, Mackie Simoskevich, uh, and then the guy that we're probably, we'll need, we need to bring up. Yes. Uh, the, well, him and his brother both, but. Adam and Luca Fantilli. Okay. We're both, we're all on that team together. And Mitty was the captain. But, um, well, yeah, what is it? Adam Fantilli, though, was like 16 at that time like, and was on this team. And Adam Nightingale talked about that too. Yeah. I, we, I'll, I'll end this real, or I, I wanted to tie this in real quick. At the end of the quote, he said, like, he's looking forward towards this rivalry so much. It's the most played college hockey rivalry of all time. And I just want to note the numbers. Wolverines right now have a 177 win, 139 loss, and 24 tie edge on Michigan State all time. MSU is 70 uh, wins, for 54 losses, and 12 ties at home. And they're playing at home, so that's big. But something, yeah, that Nightingale talked about in uh, in media this week was... Somebody that's coming back to the lineup that missed the original series, Adam Fantilli. He is the nation's leading scorer. He's got 45 points in 24 games played. Most teams have played 30 games, so he's missed six, and he's still the nation's leading scorer. The second guy, Ryan McAllister from Western Michigan, he's got 40 points. So Fantilli is above him by five points in six less games, which is just crazy. So, like... Adam Fantilli back in lineup is is definitely groundbreaking for this series. It's it's going to shake things up a bit. That's for sure. It just reminds me of like the the old movie trope where you know the team that's down brings in the ringer to kind of take them over the top mm-hmm. or whatever. 
like a oh, what was that kicking and screaming with the uh the two like Italian kids that worked in the butcher shop? What move are you talking about? You've never kicking seen and kicking screaming? and screaming? Oh, it's so good. Will Ferrell. Okay, we're kids after soccer? this pod. Oh we're doing we're doing behind the mask movie watch. We're watching kicking and screaming. It's I was, see, Mike I, I was Ditka go. plays Mike Ditka in that movie. It's hilarious. Sorry, go watch the. Movie I was thinking of like Space Jam or something like uh Oh, true. Uh, that like my, Michael Jordan. That's an easier one, but my brain went all the way back to Mash. Fun. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> We're all you, over the place. I don't Scott. know how you don't think Space Jam in that. No, okay. Space Jam. It's a, that, that, it's a movie trope, though. Yeah, it's like it's you know a thing. I'm like, though, this is what they're doing now. <laughs> they're bringing they're they're bringing MJ into the game of Fantilli. Effectively, I mean, for college hockey, he's probably pretty close. Yeah, probably pretty close. Uh, to, and also to put it in perspective, he's the number two overall draft pick in the I, uh, NHL I, draft. He would be well, number one, but there's somebody named Connor Bedard. I, I don't know if any I've hockey fans go, have heard of him. I've seen him go, I think, low, as low as four. But he's like I, in that two he's to four two, range. He's two on like 90% of them that I've seen so yeah, far. He's in that like two to four range. All I know is my one good friend that's a Blackhawks fan um, is basically saying like he's not he's not confident that the Blackhawks will get Bedard. Uh, but so he's consolation prize. Basically he's, uh, you know, very much trying to hype himself up on Fantilli for that exact reason, which, Hey, for all, yeah, for all the numbers that we just said, it's, he's, he's a player. He's a, he's a baller. He's gamer. He's, he's all that stuff. And he will be back into the lineup this weekend. I'm I'm just saying if Adam Fantilli decides that he wants to keep on a blue and gold Jersey next season, I know a spot he can go. He, He is not deciding that. Like like CJ Stroud, uh, th- th- these references are going all over the place. Like CJ Stroud said to a MSU fan when Ohio State came to MSU this season for football and absolutely housed them. He said, "quote unquote" to a fan that asked him, "Come to the Lions." He said, "It's up to God." So that's probably what's happening with Phantom. Or up to Gary Bettman. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> Whoever, in, in, in NHL terms, pulls the the dra- Oh God, the NHL lottery draft. Don't even get me started with that. The Blues getting Bedard. Anyways, back to this series. Last time these two teams met uh, at the middle of December, right before the break, pretty much. It was a pair of 2-1 games. MSU pulling the first game out at Mun, 2-1. St. Cyr was amazing. Portillo, meh. And then game two at Yost. It was 2-0 for Michigan, and they would have went on to win 2-0. But Jagger Joshua, right off a face-off win, just puts it over the shoulder of Portillo. Gets a you know garbage time goal to make it 2-1. So they exchanged 2-1 games, but... This this oh, this weekend just means so much more. It's the duel of the D. Fantilli's back. Michigan's trying to get as many points as they can up on the competition. Michigan State's trying to host a Big Ten home series. Oh, this it's I'm it's, riled up. Bro. There's so there's so Ooh, much on the line with this, so and to have much. that game going on like in front of the bright lights and uh, from all the stuff I've been seeing with ticket sales so far, what I think isn't Lower Bowl already sold out? Yeah, as uh, as far as I I know. Uh, a bunch of people were buying tickets this past weekend. Lower Bowl was sold out. I, now, I think, Ryan, you mentioned like they, they definitely open up pretty much all of LCA for seating and everything for this. Yep. So, yeah, so Lower Bowl was sold out, at least through the LCA ticket office. I, I don't quite know if, you know, I'm sure there are people reselling Lower lower Bowl tickets for incredibly jacked up prices. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a big game. In Detroit, uh, no offense to uh, resident Red Wings fan, but this is probably the biggest hockey game in LCA this year. Oh come on! There's been some 
begrudging these games early on in the season where people are like, oh, wow, look Ooh, this at team this team. This team could be good. They're... Yeah, yeah, this team could be good, and then they don't really turn out to be the best. I don't know, Red Wings still make the playoffs, but yeah, this is this is definitely no. It's it's up there on biggest games this season. Actually, this calendar year, this is probably the biggest hockey game that's happening in LCA. I will stand by that one hundred percent. And until Carolina comes to down, that's my personal that's my my personal opinion. But yeah, 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 yeah. So for this series, I guess I got we we were kind of like shying away from Blake Winsett, but I'm going to bring it back. For this series, Michigan State, actually, just go ahead, Stitzy. Whoever's going to do whoever to win whatever. I didn't didn't prepare for this. I thought we were going to not do this. Um, I mean, honestly. We got to talk about how a team's going to win, you know. I I mean, yeah, but, okay, so who are we starting with? Michigan State has has to do this to win or... Eh, Michigan, whatever one you feel like. Uh, we'll do. We'll start with Michigan. I think for them, the key is going to be just uh, really making sure they play good defense in front of Portillo. They have to really be good at you know clearing those pucks out and not letting up second chance looks for Michigan State, because like we talked about earlier, Portillo's rebound control is not very good. Um, so they're gonna, and that was kind of what ailed MSU when they went to Yoast earlier was. A lot of like they just could not get there in time for those second chance looks. By the time you know, they were there, it was a uh, Wolverine defender could clear it um, just in time. So I think that's part of it, uh, and that's probably what I'm going to think. I'm going to have to say for um, Michigan to win is they have to they have to play good defense in front of Portillo because Portillo is not going to be the guy that necessarily makes them the saves they need to like carry them to a win. Since we're going a little bit uh, with the flow here on these blank wins, if I've definitely got one of the more in, one of my more interesting blank wins, if uh, for this week, because it's actually the same for both teams. I think this series comes down to whoever plays a full sixty minutes at a time, because you go back and you look at Michigan State's performance at Yoast; they really didn't come to life until the third. There were some there were some moments in the first; they kind of they just struggled in the second, and you know didn't quite get back into the group until, you know, maybe middle of the third. And same for Michigan. is They came into Munn. Munn was electric as usual and just got thrown off their game, even if it's just for a few minutes. It's going to come down to whatever team can play a full game, no matter what, no matter what location. For me, I'm going with, Eric Portillo specifically. You talked about a little bit, Stency, but I'm just going to focus on him. He's got to be on his game. And the last time they faced game one, he was not. And for me, that's the reason why Michigan lost 2-1. Game two, he was more on his game, but the team together was, I would say, better in that game too. So for me, it's going to be on Eric Portillo. He has to play a solid game. He cannot let up a stinker, and he cannot let up those big, juicy rebounds like you talked about. For Michigan... What do they do if they want to pull out some wins? You mean Michigan State? Or, if, yeah, Michigan State. Did uh, I, did I, did I, we started with Michigan, yeah. Yeah, okay, how, yeah. how could you Michigan forget? State. How could you mix up Michigan, Michigan State? <laughs> so Get out of the building. <laughs> I think now, kind of, I feel like we've, you know, enough is made out there about like, oh, you know, it, it hinges on how well they can shut down Fantilli in that group. I would argue, honestly, it starts behind or before the puck even gets to Fantilli. So to speak, if they want to, if Michigan State wants to win, I think they have to do a good. They have to shut down Luke Hughes. I think that's where that's where somebody who burnt them last year too. Yes, yeah, and that's what I mean too. I'm looking back at last year's duel in the D. 
Um, he had a goal and two oh, assists geez. in that game. Probably, but, I think he had like seven points on that weekend. Yeah, so. but well said. He had he had three points in that in the duel in the D game. But that whole weekend, he was torching MSU, and he was like kind of able to skate and do whatever he wanted uh, in transition, and he was just killing them. Uh, and so I think the key then is going to try and like you know speed up Hughes' um, decision making process, kind of get in his face. Um, enforcement and some turnovers because that is where Michigan's breakout starts is with Luke Hughes. Um, and so if you kind of force him to, you know, play back in his own defensive zone for a bit where he's not as strong, I think that's where, you know, you can get, um, you know, where that's where you can, you know, kind of catch one up on Michigan. And, you know, I th- so I think that starts with shutting down the breakout and shutting down their primary puck mover um, on defense. I already went with mine. Yeah. Play play full 60 minutes, you know, keep your head in the game the whole time. Don't take stupid penalties? There's a lot. There's a lot. That that could be yours. Because that is exactly what mine is. For me, Michigan State, three games in a row, they have taken uh, Daniel Russell, 10-minute game misconduct against Minnesota for hitting the head. Christian Krieger, the following game against Notre Dame, five-minute major checking from behind. The last game they played, Jagger Joshua boarding five minute major if you're michigan state i know it's it's not really on them it's more on the refs but you have to make sure when you're going towards the boards and you're putting the lumber putting a hit on somebody you got to make sure it's not egregious and dirty and for daniel russell's 10 minute major i don't think that one was one that one i i put on the refs but for michigan state you cannot you cannot let them get a five minute major because i'm pretty sure last time dueling the d Michigan got a five-minute major when the game was, I think, two goals. I want to say it was 4-2. Don't quote me on that. But a five-minute major happened that game, and Michigan just kind of ran away with it there. So for Michigan State, you cannot take a major penalty. If that doesn't happen, I think Michigan State has a good chance of winning both games. What do I think will happen? Probably a split. But... Hey, well, let's, whoa, whoa. Spoil- let's spoilers, spoilers yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, hey, do you do you want to do a little bit of tourney talk? Get in, get into a little bit of your uh, tournament talk action there, Stancy. You want to do that, or I mean, yeah, I mean, so I'm gonna I'll go into more detail about it uh, in this article. Once again, impact89fm.org or at Jacob F Stinson on Twitter. Boom, shameless plug. Um, but yeah, honestly, so I think a lot of this hinges around this weekend series. Um for Michigan State because they need some quality wins in order to really kind of boost their pairwise and get them through. Where are they sitting in pairwise right now? 14. 14, which is in. Which is in, but But 16 is the cusps. They want to be in comfortably and they don't want to face. Not even even 16. Right now the cut line is 15. Oh, oh yeah, because Big Ten's taking one of those auto bids or or not auto bids. uh, The opposite. So, uh, Quick little primer for those of you that don't understand how the tournament works, because a lot of the, nobody does at this point. I barely <laughs> understand it. But basically, um, so there's 16 spots. Uh, the first six bids are given to the winner of each of the major conference tournaments. Um, and then so the remaining 10 spots are at-large bids, and those are given to the remaining teams that didn't win their conference tournaments but have the best pairwise ratings. Um, as of right now, the Big Ten has five people in the top 
15 in pairwise. But So if Wisconsin somehow wins the Big Ten tournament, they could get into yes. the NCAA tournament at the end the, of the year. There's, on, there's very, very few unlikely, schools, by the way. There's very few schools that don't like mathematically have a shot of making the tournament. Um, that's like Alaska Anchorage, Lindenwood, the, the yeah, independents the that aren't good. Yeah. Um, Everybody's got a shot. Except for the independents. Um, yep. And the only independent that has a remote chance right now is Alaska. Let's go in the Nanooks. Let's go. But they still got a ways to go. They're on the outside looking yeah, in. Yeah, and they don't have a tournament to get in automatically. There's that, and also the team um, that the teams that are ahead of them, some of them are kind of surging right now. Uh, right now, the first four teams out in pairwise right now are Omaha, Northeastern, Notre Dame, and then Alaska in that order. Northeastern is playing in the Bean Pop Finals next week. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, we will. And then Omaha as well is, go- is starting to surge. Um, but still, that's kind of a tangent. Main thing, though, with it, uh, so the reason why the cut line's at 15 at the moment, because um, generally speaking, if you're in the top 16, so to speak, it's probably a good chance you're winning, one of them's winning their conference tournaments. So in order to move the line, that means that a team outside the top 16 has to win the tournament, which normally doesn't happen that often. Uh, except this year, because there's one conference, uh, the conference that we continuously hate on Blech. in the Pickums, uh, the Atlantic Hockey Conference, um, does not have any teams in the top 16 in pairwise right now. And the current leader of the conference, RIT, is number 19. So that means they're outside, but so someone from that conference has to make it in. Um, and so if, if it stands and it becomes RIT, or whoever else, someone's going to get it. And so the current cut line's at 15 for that reason. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah, that's basically that how that works. Um, but as of right now, MSU is one of the last teams in. I have them, yeah, if they if they stick as the overall 14 seed right now, I have them playing Boston University in the first round. Um, uh, who's which, the number three overall seed at yep, the moment. And Boston's offense has been on fire as of late. Well, would, not not as of one game, but yeah. I think they got like 4.3 goals per game Phillips since is, the second half. Yeah, we're losing our right. We're not. We're, we'll, we're going to stop disrespecting BC for a minute um, because it brings me nothing. Not BC, BU. brings me nothing but pain. Um, but as of right now. But BU's great. They're a team that you guys would, I feel like, would totally bet on if it, you had the circumstance Give, like yeah, I, I did like, like last week and it worked. No, oh. no comment. Oh, last week. Yeah. We'll get to. Uh, do, <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. So here. let's yeah, let's just do we, jump right into it. Do we just want to talk yeah. about why we're joking about uh, BU right now? Yep. Um, get the recap going. Okay, yeah. so we're getting into pickums. America's favorite segment of the week. Whoa. Yeah. I, I still want Wheel of Fortune music to play here. So we'll recap um, going off of this. You could right sing now. it real quick, or like you know, helmet. No. Okay. No. Um, so for the first time I'm behind the mask history probably um, we are walking into this into this week and two of our parlays are already dead um, <laughs> on arrival I, I sent to the group chat uh, the other night because this week was the start of Beanpot which uh, also hold up I'm gonna cut you off Beanpot's whack as heck they played the first two games of Beanpot on this Monday, and then they wait a week, they play other games Friday and or Saturday, and then the following Monday, they resume with the finals for Beanpod. Yeah. Wild schedule, but... I don't get it either. Yeah. But, so, it's the, for those of you that don't know, Beanpot is like one of the most historic college hockey tournaments out there. Um, it's the four Boston schools all playing each other at TD Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boston Bruins Arena. Yeah. 
Yep. But that's Harvard, that's Boston College, that's Boston University, and that's Northeastern. Um, and so that started Monday. Uh, and I said to the group chat, basically saying, hey, uh, if you want to bet on Beanpot, it's going to act like every other tournament we've done here. Um, it'll be three-point parlay pick if you if it hits. Um, and so we both, or so Phillips and I did, and we bet on BU, the number three team in the country. And to, the team that has taken the most Beanpot wins in history. And this, yeah. And, you know, because BC is the only team that's not ranked. But every um, so every game, every bean pot since like 1972 had either BC or BU in the finals, and it wasn't going to be BC. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, BU should have this one in the bag. I think. Uh, no, it did not. Um, they they lost in the first round to Northeastern, and so we'll have the first bean pot finals in 50 years. Or I, I thought it was 70, 70 71. Years, 71 years. Yes, that has in it, in bean pot history, which is 71 years long. It's the first time. Yes, that Harvard and Northeastern mean the finals. And when I saw that, I was like, no shot. I literally went back. Looked at every single year of the finals because I'm like I feel like somebody got the stat wrong. No, I looked at every year. Every year it's been not Harvard, not Northeastern in the so, finals. Yeah, basically, uh, you know, leave it to you know history to occur on the time where I'm betting on it. Uh, but Phillips and I both had BU, so our parlays don't matter. Yeah, and you guys called me out because at first, for I for some odd reason, I saw a highlight from last year at like 1 p.m. Monday, and I'm like, oh, it already started. That sucks. Later on at like 4, I found out, oh, it starts at 5. So I was looking into it. I'm like, okay, uh, I, I want to pick BU like you guys, but I looked at it. All these teams are in the top 30. We've picked these four-team tournaments multiple times with teams like ranked Five, what? seventeen, fifty, and sixty, and yeah. we've got those wrong. Well, no, no, Friendship I've gotten four. I've gotten all the tournaments right so far. This is the first tournament I've gotten wrong. Okay, well, uh, some, some GLI of them didn't go our way. Oh, so sorry, I, I looked sorry. at this and at I'm least like, parlay ones. I'm um, like, mm, I'm not touching this. Like, mm, I want to pick BU sure, with you guys. Sure, like, no. they're always a team. There's always a team that's in like the top four, and like that team always has, has won in the past. We did what the Connecticut tournament was QPAC easily. Uh, what friendship four was QPAC again? Shout out QPAC. That's the only time you could pick QPAC. I know, but they work. Um, but who else? I mean, like, there's we've done those before a few times. Um, Sometimes that, but this one it's so it's so loaded, and usually you can't predict bean pot. It's it's just all over the place. To be fair, there was one that I was going to put in here, um, but like we just didn't do a podcast over break. Um, there was that was it called like the Desert Hockey Classic. Um, which was a four-team tournament in Tempe um, at Mullet Arena. You guys, we didn't do it because we didn't do a podcast or a break. Do you? Can you recall those four teams? I'm trying to think of four teams like out uh, there. If you include Colorado, yeah. No, like, it wasn't. Uh, these were the host school was ASU, right? Yeah, obviously. But after that, it wasn't. It wasn't schools out west. Oh, okay. That was, uh, so it was, was ASU, BU. Okay, yeah. That, Michigan yeah. Tech. And I, f- I want to say it was like somewhere random, like Air Force or something. Um, Air Force is in Colorado, I true. think. So that makes but sense. But like, you know, Michigan, Michigan Tech and Boston BU, University. Yeah. It, it was ASU, BU, Air Force, and M-Tech. Damn, nice. I am good. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so, uh, okay, well, all but, in all. So, no, I, I say I'll have to say, uh, BU did not win that, actually. It was M-Tech that won that. Yep. So, oh. 
Oh, BU to win that. Okay. I, I would have bet on BU probably to win that if I did. Because I think they were the highest team coming in, maybe. But uh, yeah, MTech ended up winning the thing. So Shout out MTech. All in all, you guys, before we did this podcast, put in BU for your parlay picks. And basically the whole moral of the story is your guys' parlays are dead. I did not pick BU. My parlay is still alive, and we'll get to that soon. So I filled out the rest of my parlay after it had died. Oh, I filled out the whole thing ahead of time. But So <laughs> it, if the rest of my parlay hits, I'm just letting it stand there for... Like, I don't get points, but it's just for uh, personal pride that if Boston University hadn't gone and just lost kind of outrageously. To be fair, uh, what, Devin Levi, Northeastern schoolie, went silly that game. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, but that, okay. With so all, that's, with so all that being all that to said, say, we still need to recap last week. That's not yes. even, that's not even like the weird, crazy part of it. That's not even the most, like at the least, biggest thing that have, that's happened to be in uh, Pickums at least, as of late. At least this week, uh, Phil's probably didn't hit. Uh, but last week, but. We'll, go, we'll, we'll go over this. Um, we uh, the the man over there in the Milwaukee Brewers hat uh, had a generational week in the Pickums. I think Crazy. this is the first perfect week we've had like, ever. Yeah, probably at least this season. Oh, gee. Oh, what's, what, what's what, going? What on? are you doing? What's going on here? It's not even over yet. I was like, this still weeks I've left, my this, guy. This, it's not over. Look, it, before we get copyrighted, Victor. Well. Yeah, before we get copyrighted, before SpongeBob take the... comes at us, <laughs> SpongeBob <laughs> better be performing at the halftime show again. <laughs> from from last to first place again. What I haven't even gotten that point yet. I, th- I can explain how this works. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting so, ahead jumping of the gun. He, so he planned you, this ahead of thank you for time spoiling my uh, thank you for spoiling my <laughs> my pickums here. But uh, recap. So uh, Michigan swept Wisconsin to the surprise of absolutely nobody. We all got two points for that. Um, and then, so the one that got me here, um, the one that got you here, oh, there, there were two, um, three. So Penn State <laughs> split with Ohio State. I my Penn State fraud narrative did not survive that weekend. Um, I had Ohio State sweeping, but Ryan and Phillips got one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only one that called an MSU sweep over Notre Dame was Huge. Phillips again, who got two points. Going against the history of MSU Notre Dame. Back, dating back to 2006, crazy. But, but and, then it turns out Ryder Ralston's out, and yeah. MSU just kind of goes ham. As he a, knew that the whole time. No, I'm kidding. As a whole, though, um, the parlays as weren't that bad, except for one, and it wasn't even a bad pick. It's just you know Ugh. upsets happen. Uh, and it was the strangest upset ever. So uh, I, I don't know. St. Cloud getting swept last week or two weeks ago was kind of weird. Strangest upset nah, of the week, at least. Yeah. Uh, we Ryan and I both picked Minnesota State over St. Thomas, which you know seems like a lock. Seems like a lock there. Nope, no, nope, didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> so you know, not, Ryan, Ryan and I both had our parlays die. Um, the one we all got right was LIU over Stonehill, duh, because you know of free course, points, free points, exactly. Um, and then Phillips and I both had St. Cloud over Miami. Um, which the hit as well, barely. So, so shootout wins. I Ryan yeah. had one. Oh. Ryan went one for two. Two he shootout had, wins. Oh. Ryan went one for two. He had LIU over Stonehill, which was right, and then but Minnesota State over St. Thomas was not. Um, I point. had St. Cloud in Miami, and the LIU over Stonehill hit, and then Minnesota State and, and St. Thomas did mm. not. Zero points. Yeah, 
Uh, and then Phillips here, generational pick'em week, as we've been saying. Every uh, pick right. Yes, every single one, Big Ten and parlay. He had the three-teamer. He uh, also had St. Cloud over Miami. He also had LIU over Stonehill. And he also picked Michigan Tech to sweep Bemidji. M-Tech was kind to me last week. So, recapping the whole thing. Uh, so, Phillips got five points for getting all the Big Ten right. And then another three for his parlay hitting. So that brings the totals off last week. Ryan had three points. I had two. Phillips had eight. And so that brings us to have a new leader in the Pickums for the first time all season. Actually, not the first time all season. You think you let I'd say all out. calendar year. Yeah. At I'm least confident enough to ca- say that. Calendar year for sure. Yeah. But um, Phillips is now in the lead. Went from worst to first. He has 47 points. Ryan has 45, and now I'm in last. I've got 44. You, went from, you went from first to worst. <laughs> and I was tied for first to worst. Yeah. I, I think that's the first time I think that's the first time all year you've been anywhere but first or second. Yeah. yeah. So anytime yep. this is the first time you've How been. How does last. it feel to be down in the dumps by I was trying one to, point? We I Ryan and I have been there before. Yeah. I've been I've been trying to uh I don't know. Well, I mean I can't exactly get, you know, win with a parlay this week either. <laughs> yep. Ha ha. So uh Let's just go right into it then. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna take the I'm sure. take the reins here. Yeah, so the start. first one we're gonna gloss over this. Number one Minnesota travels to Wisconsin. We all got Minnesota. If, if this is at Wisconsin though, I don't what, know. Wait, wait. Who do we at all Wisco. have at Wisco in this parlay? It's still Minnesota. Thank you, Joe Biden. One of my favorite Biden memes of all time. Uh, Which we had the sound effects y'all plugged in. That, y'all were setting that up before the podcast started. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Minnesota, we got sweeps across the board over Wisconsin. Next game on the slate, though, it is number seven, Ohio State traveling to Compton Family Ice Arena, taking on the Fighting Irish. Stency, who we got? I was thinking a split at first, but the absence of Ryder Ralston is hurting the Irish severely. I don't even know, honestly, what else the Irish really have to play for at this point. I think that it's very much an uphill climb for them. Uh, the rest of the way. Uh, I'm going to go with the Buckeye sweep here. Uh, Notre Dame is just, yeah, without Rolston, that offense is just non-existent, and it's not going to be enough to get past Ohio State and Dobesh and that group. Um, so, yeah, give me a Buckeye sweep. Phillips, who you got? First of all, I'm very confused because I was the last to enter all my picks, and when I did, uh, no one else had Ohio State sweeping, so I'm very confused of where all this came from. Hush. It, just very, because I thought know, we could confused. only pick between two teams. Of course, we're gonna pick the same thing some weeks, guys. Come on, get over that. No, oh. but it, it, I, I I seemingly remember uh, some split picks being changed here. Um, yeah, I changed mine because I thought about it for more than two seconds. Yeah, me too. <laughs> anyway, I didn't Actually, change. Wait, no, I had Ohio State for, or whatever. Well, no, yeah. I never changed my pick with me Ryder either. Ryder Ralston out, Notre Dame, like you said. Offense, uh, yeah, very not good, to say the least. And Ohio State, goaltending, very good. Like we said, Do- Dobesh currently playing, you know, the best goalie in the, is the best goalie in the Big Ten. Give me the Buckeyes. Uh, I'm not really going to add much. Piggybacking off what you guys said, all that stuff. Give me Ohio State with the sweep. We got Ohio State sweeps across the board but the one that really matters, the one that we all care about, the one that you came to this podcast and listened to for, it's number five Michigan. First traveling two months to take on number 15 Michigan State, and then the dual in the D for the Saturday game. 
What do you guys have on that series? I got a split. Uh, I don't know which one's going to be which. Um, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not. Um, speaking of which, did you know they can do betting on college hockey? Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it. you could bet on anything, but I'm not betting on college hockey. That is one sport I will not touch. Hecky all. If you were curious, um, MSU is, uh, or Michigan is one and a half point favorites uh, this weekend. Oh, mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, yeah, you could you could oh, wait bet. on what game? Fridays. Okay. So what about Saturdays? Uh, it doesn't. I don't think they've released those yet. Oh. Okay. But still, nerds. Yeah. I don't know. That's a uh, that's DraftKings. But um. Yeah. So you could bet MSU plus one and a half. Not when personally wouldn't think would not gambling advice wouldn't be a bad bet. Um. But what was that with this? Oh yeah. No, I think uh I don't know which game is going to be which. Uh, but they're going to be close games regardless. Um, I think Michigan just has a tendency to be a little inconsistent, uh, still. Yes. Uh, like I get, you know, they played Wisconsin last week and crushed them, but one of those games, they still let up four goals. And then earlier in the season, they split against them. Yeah. So, uh, there's not really much that I'm being given right now other than Adam Fantilli that tells me that the series is going to be anything other than a split. Phillips, who you got? I've got a split, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be Michigan State winning at home. Michigan winning at quote-unquote home at LCA. It's a technically a home game for them. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It's not a home game for them. For Michigan? Technically. It, it oh, is technically, technically listed te- as a home game for like them. It's like a last change, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's still, neutral, neutral site. site game. Yeah. It counts not to mention, site. I mean... You know, in, in recent years, Michigan has done a much better job traveling to LCA than Michigan State fans. Well, yeah, because Michigan State fans didn't really exist until this year. A lot of them didn't. They were that, they were definitely in hiding in the, the cold era. They were, that's for sure. they were walking around with the paper bags in their head. And mm-hmm. distance to, to Detroit from Ann Arbor is, you know, closer. Anyway. Barely. Barely. It, it, it's a fact. I, I'm very curious how this, like, um, matchup is going to go with this. Um, with, like, the I guess the fans in LCA. Because... I mean, if you're talking about Detroit, there's so many people that live in Detroit, and both schools, I think, have, or well, I mean, you've got, MSU also has such, like, a large alumni base as well, and, you know, MSU fans have a reason to actually care about its hockey program for once. Mm-hmm. I think I think I saw once uh, Barstool MSU actually tweeted about MSU hockey, we're, so finally getting some recognition. We're a hockey school now. Yeah. <laughs> Basketball is no, not ranked. Yeah, Football went down the drain not, this year. Basketball's not also it right gymnastics now. school. Our True. our gymnastics program, True. MSU's yes. gymnastics program, Shout is going gym- crazy. Shout right out the now. gymnastics program. And speaking of this rivalry, it's their first win over Michigan since 2007 in gymnastics too, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's a yeah. it's it's a year for Michigan State athletics if you're not basketball and football. Yep, hockey school, hockey school. Uh, but yeah, yeah Mun's been electric. Mun has been difficult for any team to play in on the road unless they're named Minnesota. Michigan State right now 11-4 and 1 at home by the way. So it's it's just in the last time, you know, it's going to be a close game especially with Adam Fantilli, but it's 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 Michigan traveling to Mun. If there's going to be a game that MSU can take, it's going to be at Mun. That's that's just how I see things. And if there's going to be a game that Michigan State's going to struggle on, the road has not been the kindest to them in the past especially in Big Ten games. So Michigan most likely going to take the LCA game. It's a rivalry series. It's ranked. It's college hockey. 
it's going to be a split. I could see them flip-flopping the wins of maybe Michigan winning in Yost and, you know, Michigan State going to LCA. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Michigan State wins at home. Michigan wins at, sorry, not Yost, LCA, whatever I said. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a banger of a series. I think it's going to be more higher scoring than the 2-1-2-1 we saw last time. I'm thinking, like, maybe 3-2-4-3. We'll see, but I'm hoping both games are just down to the wire, absolutely close, and I think that's going to happen. But for me, for all of us, it's going to be a split. So that that wraps up the uh, the Big Ten part of the pickums. We unfortunately all have the same thing, but I I'm not saying oh you copy no 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 it's it's you gotta it, get them the right. picks that make sense. We got to get the picks right at this point in the season. We're all within three points of each other. Every pick matters that much. But I was also banking on these on this parlay hitting as well, uh-huh. and that be what gets me over the hump. And no. and speaking of the parlays, hey, I'll go first since. Mine's the, the only one one that actually matters. I don't know if you guys want to say yours. I guess just. I mean, quick. I can read mine off real quick. I yeah, had. Go ahead. I had Denver over Nodak. I had Lindenwood over Stonehill, which shouldn't count, but it does. Uh, and then I had uh, Boston University to win the bean pot. And then Phillips, would you have? I I've, I've also got Denver at Nodak. I had BU. That didn't work out. Not not picking Lindenwood at Stonehill. I got a funny feeling, and it worked out last time. Last week with that Minnesota State pick, uh, but MTech's been kind. They're my uh, would be interesting pick of the week if it weren't for the pick I'm already being dead. So MTech at, uh, hosting Bowling Green. So both your guys obviously pickums already gone, no points available. But for me, I did not bet BU like we've been over, so I got a chance, and I'm going for a nice little twofer, nice just a two leg parlay here. I'm going for. My team of the year, personally, the Nanooks, the Nanooks, what, however, Nanooks. I, Nanooks, yeah, yeah, I love their logo, like I've said, week in, week out, I like the the way they play, the swagger they got, they're going to LIU, but that's not going to be a problem, give me Alaska sweeping LIU, and then Lindenwood sweeping Stonehill, quick two-legger, but hopefully it gets me two points up on you guys, who cannot get any. I feel like these should count for half points. If I were you, I would like. I, I would did just... put BU in my parlay. That's that's my dub right there. Lindenwood, you guys Sto- Stone- like, Stonehill, and well, we LIU. Take this outside. I would say <laughs> no. I'm kidding. Lindenwood, Stonehill, and LIU. I mean, he's honestly Ryan's kind of playing it smart. He's I'm taking, playing. Yeah, he's betting against LIU and Stonehill to lose. Or to lose. I mean, yes. that's not exactly. I'm playing it safe. You Play my cards it, right. At worst, if if that parlay hits. You still only time if it that up. parlay doesn't hit. I'm gonna be so surprised. I guess I would. Or oh, maybe wait, oh, I, guess, I should say so, that if that parlay hits, whatever, it's whatever. Because every time I've gone into a parlay thinking it'll hit, it doesn't. So this so, parlay, at whatevs, you know, it could hit, it could not. Please. You know what? Worst case scenario, we're we're back tied at first. So yeah, true. It, I I love this year for pickums. It's never been this close week in week out. This is awesome. Blame the or thank the uh, thank the parlay system, man. Yes. Thank you, Stacey. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> parlay, my own parlay system, the thing I came it's up screwing with you. <laughs> is screwing me over, and it shot Phillips from worst to first. From a five-point deficit eight, to a three-point lead. eight-point week. Un- oh, Unheard of in Behind the Mask. So uh, that'll wrap up the pickums. We'll see who comes on top at the end of this week. Uh, but for you guys, we got a heck of a lot of coverage. First off, the article coming out from Stency sooner or later. Yeah, well, hopefully. And then uh, also tomorrow, if so... I'm trying to figure out what exactly. So I think 
the tournament thing is probably going to come out tomorrow morning. And then say like say days, just because we don't know when Thursday it's, Thursday morning. Okay. Uh, and then the preview is going to come out Friday morning probably, and then I'll have Friday night, which will probably become Saturday morning and Sunday morning respectively. Will be recaps of those games. So yeah, look out for those recaps of the most historic college rivalry in most played rivalry in college hockey, man. Yeah. The biggest one. It was like the 341st and 342nd meeting all time. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And uh, from, hey, from Phillips and I, Friday night, if you want to have your ears vibrate to our voices, what? you can. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm confused. I don't know, man. I Pause? Don't, I, it's, uh, I, don't, I try to spice it up and say time out on the say field. not the same thing I was over say, and over again. I, I, I don't know. I was thought you were going to go with like, get your ears blessed. Your your eardrums vibrate to the vibrations <laughs> of the airwaves like, of Philip. I don't like I. this. No, I'm, I'm going to continue. No, I'm kidding. If you want to listen to our broadcast, we will be broadcasting live on Impact 89 FM. It reaches around like a Lansing metro area, so like 30 minutes out that, of Lansing. Or you can also but... go to impact89fm.org slash listen dash live yes that you can listen to anywhere on your web browser phone wherever so if you're not in the east lansing lansing area you can reach it there and uh you know we've been we've been we've been putting out some good calls for you guys so if you can't catch it on tv if you're on the road hey we got you covered saturday night unfortunately doing the d we do not have a broadcast for you guys but keep a lookout for stincy's coverage yes and um yeah that's that's really gonna end it for uh for behind the mask this week next week we'll be back to recap what happens in the uh you know the michigan michigan state rivalry it's gonna gonna be a good couple of games and uh we'll preview what uh michigan state will do against wisconsin uh spoiler alert probably we're probably gonna predict them to win (laughs) um but that's gonna be it from us for behind the mask thank you guys so much for listening We'll be back next week and have a good one.